With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show. It's Monday. We're looking back at all the action from yesterday's games. I and Mike back in the house and a ton to get into some suspect defensive performances, some brilliance on the other side of the ball. Kyler Murray in particular, standout performance of the weekend for me, although Tom Brady will have a lot to say about that. He racked up five touchdowns. Lamar and Mahomes going head to head. So much to talk about. We'll try and squeeze a few of your questions in two before we get out of dodge let's get straight down to business and welcome the brilliant iron mike Iron mike here we are again week two of the nfl almost in the bag of course we recorded this monday morning so we've got monday night football coming up uh we've got a ton to get into are you set you look set but are you look set yeah i mean it's, it's a tough week this is so far this has been crazy crazy nfl um and, uh, you know, week two is the point of the season where every year you, I say, you know, I really feel sorry for the Chargers. <laughs> and, you know, it's either injuries yeah. or, you know, crazy things happening in their kickers, game. Kickers, which, kickers, which you've had which a bit of, of course, did. this week. You've had interesting, a good kick, a bad kick of shenanigans. That's always. Oh, always yeah. And, and that 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 always drives you crazy. Um, but m- my theory right now is that as the offenses in the NFL become more and more like college offenses right you know they adapt they adapt to that stuff um that the refereeing in the nfl can't keep up with that Mm. and the changes that they've made both in in the rules but also more importantly in the interpretations which we're not always aware of you know what has gone out to the we know we, we hear about the things that are emphasized but we don't hear about what the interpretations of individual rules are that they're they're just unca- incapable of coping with it, mm. um, you know, and it, it's driving it's driving me crazy watching watching these games with full of you know weird calls, bad calls, missed calls um, to the point where I mean that that game with the Chargers was a super blandino, yeah. you know, <laughs> twenty twenty penalties for one hundred and seventy five yeah. yards, you know. So and, this, beg- this begs the question because it's yeah. always one of your favorite subjects. Uh, year on year, the uh, ambiguity of officiating and the the, uh, the trifecta you nailed it there in terms of uh, the good, the bad, the ugly. What was the Carlson over under uh, on tweets made during Red Zone last night? Given given what we were seeing, <laughs> well, I like I said, seventy four in the pool. Yeah, like, like I said, I had a friend of mine here, so I wasn't going to waste all my time. He took the abuse. Ah, did he, <laughs> he, took did he hop on your Twitter and fire out a few times. He was having a good deal with it. And as, Twitter, as, uh, Twitter, uh, Twitter was spared. Was, Twitter was, was, was spared. Uh, well, our listeners a, will a benefit from uh, hearing uh, Mike's insight over the next 60 minutes or so. So we've had some interesting officiating. I'm sure we'll get into that in the Chargers game in particular. Uh, a real head scratcher, I think Chargers fans suitably agreed. We've had a lot of quarterbacks getting 
banged up as well. We'll give you the latest on that and what that might mean for their respective teams. Zach Wilson, the Jets rookie, probably wishing he was banged up at some stage <laughs> after uh, yesterday's performance. Uh, and we've had some interesting interpretations of defense as well, Mike, which I'm very keen to, very keen to get your perspective on as well. It's how big a problem is defense collectively for some of the, the Super Bowl contenders, certainly a few teams that we had pegged as uh, going deep into the deep waters of the playoffs. So wh- why don't we start there? Because it was uh, a thriller, as we expected, a shootout, as we expected, Sunday night football. But you know, interesting defensive performances for both the Ravens and the Chiefs. Of course, the headlines, Lamar manages to, to take down Mahomes for the first time in his career. It's the first time that the Ravens have beaten their AFC rivals in in five games. Of course, that was the previous four on the bounds. I want to start with the Ravens, Mike, and in particular, how banged up they were. They had no Ronnie Staley on the line. They were down to their the string running back, Rashad Bateman, the, the rookie receiver they brought in to feed Lamar, of course, is out. Jimmy Smith, Marcus Peters, blah, 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 <laughs> isn't blah, it, blah. Isn't it more like Lamar feeds him? Yeah. <laughs> not, well, to be, not to be pedantic. Well, but. We haven't seen it yet, of course, because he hasn't played a single <laughs> yeah. game. So who knows? Wait, I will watch that keenly. Uh, but a fair point. Look, uh, Derek Wolf was out as well. They were banged up and then some probably yeah. the most banged up team in the NFL right now in terms of how many starters they have out. So given how short stacked they were, Mike, how impressive was this Ravens win? It was really impressive. Um, you know, th- there there was a question mark, and and I hate the you know the the take that it's Lamar Jackson beating Patrick Mahomes. You know, right. but I mean, I know we go back to Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. You know, almost twenty years ago now. What you're um, saying because there's twenty. Well, there's more to it, obviously, than quarterback versus quarterback. And sure. but if if you're looking at the quarterback. But you always say the quarterback's the most influential position in any. Well, sport. of course it is, you know. But you still, you know, it, it, um, Mahomes. The biggest play of that game, I think, was the interception Mahomes threw while being tackled mm-hmm. on on. It was, I think, a third and twelve, mm-hmm. and they were up by eleven um, midway through the third quarter, late in the third quarter. Because you have to have a certain amount. I know he can make plays and I know he knows he can make plays, but you also have a certain amount of awareness that you're up 11 like that. Your defense is playing relatively well. You don't need to force things. Mm. Um, And and that to me was absolutely crucial. Um, Lamar Jackson, I think, did pretty much exactly what we expect him to do. In, in these six circumstances, um, you know, the, the Ravens, they've done a pretty good job. It was like, you know, you start wondering, what team am I watching here with Latavius Murray and <laughs> Delphi right. Freeman? And what year you is know, this as well, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but you know, John Harbaugh runs the – it's the same offense he ran in college. It's, it's sort of the same offense he ran with, when he had cap in San Francisco. Mm. You know, they're running a lot of pistol. Um, sometimes it looks like an old single-wing offense, you know, mm. and and it works. And I think the, the really surprising thing was that Kansas City's defense – Right. Was, una- was unable to to stop that. They had 250 yards rushing, you know, and at some point with Tyran Matthew back, you think yeah. well, you're pretty well prepared to stop that run game. And Matthew, of course, has the two interceptions in the first quarter. And you're thinking, Leading yeah, well, this is going to be exactly the script that we were we were expecting. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so fast on that, Mike. So so interesting stat that jumped out. This is via ESPN. Jameson Hemsley is the 
the journal. The Ravens allowed more than 30 points in their first two games of the season. They've allowed 30 points now, opening two games, the first time in their history. They had three touchdown passes of 30 yards or more. Now, we've talked about the, the injuries they they have right now, which obviously contribute to, uh, to their performance there. But Kansas City, with Tyron Matthew back, um, were relatively strong in terms of fitness anyway. Who's got the bigger problem with their defense right now? Baltimore or Kansas City, do you think? Whew. At, you know, last week, last week I would have said Baltimore. Um, this week, it's almost a toss-up. Mm. But, I mean, this was the kind of game where, in effect, you're holding a team under 400, under 500 yards. Of, I think it was just under 900 yards of total offense for the right. two teams. And, and basically, relatively, ba- relatively balanced. Um, because you're dealing with two... X factors in that J- Jackson's legs and Mahomes' arms are two things you can't really account for mm-hmm. unless you're spying them, and even then, it, it's a problem. Uh, and I think that that's also, you know, for Baltimore, they they got away from their offensive line problems. So Ronnie Stanley, pri- primarily by formation and tight end backfield blocking uh, you know in other words they were they were going away a bit from that straight ahead kind of power game that they play and there were a lot there's a lot more sort of trapping and going to the edge and, and stuff and it and it worked really well um i i thought the chiefs defense was was actually going to be better than last year and and it seems like you've got the same kind of problems um and I don't know. I'm not sure whether it's something that needs correcting or if it's just something that will get better as that defensive line plays together. Mm-hmm. But they didn't look like a top defensive line, which which you would think um, with Jaron Reed and Frank Clark and, and right. Jones. They don't know they should be. What about their offensive line? Because, of course, that was the big thing they fixed in the offseason. How is that shaping up? Didn't really look like it, did it? Um, right. And um, I think part of the problem is that you know, when, when you get rookies in there, you're, um, you're, you're always going to have that kind of learning curve, which catches you by surprise, you know, and if it's not week two, it's week three or, you know, and, and they watch, you know, it's the NFL, they watch the tape, they see what the guys do and what they don't do. Ben Cleveland, I thought had a pretty rough game, um, you know, and um, for Baltimore and, you know, for Kansas city, um What's his name at center had an even rougher game because <laughs> they're and they're running with two um, Creed Humphrey. He had a, an even rougher game um, and they're running with two rookies on that offensive line. I wouldn't be surprised if Dr. Tardif comes back into, in, <laughs> at, at some point um, quite, quite soon just for the veteran uh, thing. But I think people also notice that you can um, uh, speed rush on the tackles. Uh, Niang and uh, Orlando Brown, good as Orlando Brown right. is, he's not the quickest guy. Mm. Um, he's got good feet, but um, and Niang, I don't think, is so far played like the guy who they think who they thought he was uh going to be when they started him. I mean, you know, not that he's bad, but um, he's literally he's basically a rookie, he didn't mm. play last year. Um, they draft him in the third round, thinking they'd develop him. And, you know, he still, I think, needs a bit of development. In the deep end a little bit. Okay, so concerning signs, and we've got to put this in into context, of course, relatively speaking, this is, you know, some exceptional offensive performances, both individually and, and I guess ultimately collectively. And these 
both these teams are going to be there or thereabouts, of course, come the reckoning. So, but we are talking about those deep runs and how important this is going to be uh, when uh, we get into the serious matter of playoff football. On Lamar in particular, Mike, I want your take on the the perennial discussion point around Lamar ever since he's come before he came into the NFL, certainly ever since he's been a pro, he had 107 yards and two scores on the ground, carving them up again, electrifying. And you identified, we know what he can do with his legs. And it's even if you know, it's going to happen, doesn't mean you can stop it happening. What about his progression as a passer? Because it still seems to divide opinion. And we mentioned that Rashad Bateman uh, was, was brought in in this, in the same kind of way that Diggs was given to Allen. They were hoping, well, that should, uh, that should help move him on. And of course, Rashad Bateman's not Stefan Diggs yet. He hasn't played it down in the NFL, as we talked about earlier on. But that, they're hoping, of course, by giving him a bit more ammo, that that will help develop him as, as a passer. So it is a slight asterisk against this question. But where are you on his progression as a passer? you buy into this idea that he's never going to be at the same level as some of his contemporaries? Um, I, I would agree, basically. Um, and that's been a question that goes back at least unto back to Bobby Douglas with the Bears. Um a run first quarterback. Now Douglas was a bad passer. I mean, just he had a really strong arm, but no zero accuracy. Um, and someone <laughs> that said sounds he could, great, he, by the way. <laughs> he, he could throw a football through a brick wall, but he would miss the wall. <laughs> um, you know, Steve Where was Grove, he on the Jamarcus Russell level of yeah. arm, not yeah. so great accuracy. You know, you had you had a lot of guys like that. Uh, Steve Grogan, you know, who was a better passer, not as good a runner, but um, you know, and, and then Mike Vick was like the ultimate in that before um before uh lamar one of the things is you have to be able to execute the short and middle stuff that gets you the first downs every time you know i mean no one does it every time but you have to be able to um to think that you can and that's why they got bateman um to be a big x receiver to do some of the things when they had the, the three good pass catching tight ends they were using them you know in kind of that same way slants quick passes because the getting those first downs is what a quarterback has to do with consistency lamar still looks deliberate to me in in his passing game in other words you know looking looking um from read to read and throwing when he sees the open rather than throwing the receiver open, anticipating. Mm. Um, and you don't expect him to be Tom Brady. Uh, and we can talk about a couple of things he did in that game, which were unbelievably good. Um, but he, he, he needs to be just quicker with that passing and that would make the running game more effective. Um, mm. If he can, if he sure. can drop back and hit, hit the receiver, you know, um, without having to stop and look, at him before before he uh before he does so which which is is not to minimize his contribution he made a couple of good mm. throws but yeah. i sometimes think it, you know his mo when you watch his motion he's it's not the same all the time sometimes it's kind of low off the shoulder mechanics. and sometimes mm. it comes up yeah so the mechanics maybe mm. are still un unsettled or whatever but greg roman know, gets a lot of flack doesn't he for for this they work with what they've got you know, and and they decide this is a decision they made when Lamar was still there at the end of the first round of the draft, mm -hmm. and you know it was perfect. If there's one team in the NFL that could take Lamar Jackson and insert him into a starting role quickly and win, it would be the Ravens and John Harbaugh because Harbaugh, like I said a few minutes ago, Harbaugh had the experience of this. This was a kind of quarterback that that he could he knew how to use, how to get the best from, and and how to. And I'm not saying that in a derogatory sense. 
Um, Harbaugh knew that the kind of offense he ran was perfectly suited for Lamar and Greg Roman. That's why he's the coordinator because he was in San Francisco and it is a run first offense. Uh, And, you know, it's big advantage in that game, in that game basically is, is time of possession. The Ravens controlled the ball for, I think, I think it was 35, 25 in, in that, you know, game um and the best way to beat kansas city is to keep them off the field right right that's how you control any explosive quarterback uh and so it it worked in that sense i mean i really think kansas city should have won that game um you know that they 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 let the ravens stay in it for too Mm -hmm. long you know they were up by 11 for for a long period of time but the ravens earned it the hard way and and that's a good sign for them the Ravens uh, certainly get rewarded for that. They've got Detroit uh, on a short week next up uh, in week three. The Chargers <laughs> up next for the Chiefs. We'll talk about the Chargers in a bit, but I want to go to uh, to the Titans-Seahawks game next. A, a thriller in Seattle. And of course, if you've been paying attention based on last week's show, that's the third in the movie franchise. <laughs> With Meg Ryan came back for that one. Uh, so uh, speaking of coming back, Derek Henry, I love these games, Mike, when Henry is like, uh, it's David Banner Hulk, right? He's just <laughs> innocuous and uh, Im- immaterial in the first half, uh, lulling <laughs> the opponents into a false sense of security, and then just goes all full on Hulk in, in the second half. Seattle were 24 9 up at the half, and then Henry went nuclear. One of the things they seem to go back to, Tennessee, having completely ignored it in week one and for most of the first half in, in week two, was the play action. So are those two things entirely connected that once Henry is going off, then they can really lean on it. Or it's been a bit of a head scratcher why they seem to have moved away from that early on when it's been so effective for them in the last couple of years. I thought in week one that they did it deliberately because they figured the defense would be keying on Henry mm. and, and therefore they were going to jump, jump the gun on that. But you're right, Tannehill is much more effective off play action. Um, always has been. Mm-hmm. You don't want you don't really want to have to play a drop back game with him. And I mean, play action is not dependent on your having a good run game necessarily because the defense still has to respect the fake to a certain extent. But when you have Derrick Henry back there, they certainly have to respect it more uh, than most teams. And, you know, it's it was weird because I thought ten, I thought Seattle had kept them in check pretty well in the first half. And he still had about 48, 50 yards, I think, mm-hmm. you know, running just not that effectively. And was it Romo doing doing the game, um, put his finger on it. And when Henry busted the first run, they're tiring the defense. Mm. And I'm not sure if they, if Mike Vrabel isn't aware that they can't really run Henry 35 times every game, mm. but if they can, the odds are he's going to break one or two runs. You know, he just, you, you can't keep him bottled up. And what works against that and, and why they got off it in the first game is that if you're down 24-9, most teams cannot run the ball because right. you, you have to pass. That's the game. Sure. And that's how you take ten, that's the key to beating Tennessee, mm-hmm. is you you get you go to get ahead of them and you make them throw yeah. um and become one-dimensional. They, that's what happened in Tennessee last week. They became one-dimensional very early in the mm. game. And um, this week, I think they just made a decision in the second half that we're not going to be one-dimensional. Mm. Um, it's tough because their defense sucks. 
Um, well, their defense, especially their pass defense, credit to the to because it's a much maligned defense. But yeah. you know, <laughs> I just maligned it yeah. <laughs> much, but even more. So now Mike's piled in on them, but everybody weighs in on them, and it's uh, it's an obvious concern again if we're looking at, at contenders here in the AFC specifically. Uh, that yep, fine, they should have enough in the locker to make the playoffs, but can that de-handle the Ravens' offense, the Chiefs' offense? But the pressure they put on on Russ in overtime, the third and 10, the pressure that they managed to get on him, which, which is effectively decided or certainly shifted the momentum uh, very much back in their favor uh, when it was almost a safety in, in overtime. That was a, you know, an impressive set of downs and an impressive, oh, yeah. uh, impressive performance by them. So is there hope? Is there light at the end of the tunnel of this Titans team? Well, that, that, that's, you know, it's a good take on it because I think what they decided to do was to sell out on Rush because their sec their coverage was was doing so badly right. um so therefore okay well let's Beat him let's blitz way. let you know let's take the risk on that and mm-hmm. and that's tough with russell wilson because russell wilson can beat your blitz you know and mm-hmm. then and they had a couple of real coverage breakdowns but you know in in the sense that seattle really had big big plays you know big chunk plays were, were the offense in that game and, and and brilliant ones um and tennessee benefited i thought Jamal Adams penalty, mm. in, you know, in the overtime was like <laughs> Jamal oh, Adams. Um, but <laughs> if the Titans pasty is mm, not great shakes, what about Seattle's pasty, Mike? Where are you on that? Um, Trey Flowers had a bad noise. If you wanted, yeah, to see that, that's the kind of mm, where am I on that? that Trey <laughs> Flowers had a bad game. Mm. Uh, Julio tore him apart, right? Um, Reed, the, the the other guy on the other side, yeah. had a great game. Um, you know, he dominated AJ Brown, and AJ Brown, you know, looks like his older brother, his bigger, <laughs> bigger older brother. Um, I don't think that, I don't think they generate the kind of rush that they they need to. Basically, Bobby Wagner is too much a factor in in the pass game. You know, they really depend on on him. He had a great game. I mean, he, he was he was everywhere. Um, but you, you don't really want him. You don't really want him to be um, everywhere. And, but it was to the point where they, you know, in, in the overtime, if if you're if you're going to Chester Rogers as, as your go to guy in the overtime, the defense is doing something right it's <laughs> <laughs> a fair point hey we've got a tweeted thanks uh those of you getting in touch with us at the nc show mike and i'll always try and uh do a mailbag or pepper in your questions on on the monday show this one's from otto uh thanks for this otto uh how bad and this is a theme i think your warranty might give in your opening gambit how bad was the officiating in the seahawks game and he specifically says that uh, the, the play I, I referenced a moment ago they didn't call the safety at the end of the game should it have been called um, I thought so. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why it wasn't. Um, they seem to not like calling safeties. I don't know if this is one of those double secret probation kind of Mike Pereira things. <laughs> um, but <laughs> Yeah. I, again, let me go back to the basic reason why the NFL rules are so awful. <laughs> even, <laughs> Come on. Even, even though they're, you know, they're written by, they're written by lawyers who can't write, you know, and don't, and, um, I think basically because, it was the only way that Mike Pereira could generate work for himself <laughs> as in retirement. So that, you know, now everyone's got to have a, a rules analyst because the only people who can analyze the rules are the people who made them up in, I, for, um, in the first place. I'm going to so, have uh, a, a long and very clear chat with Ollie, our producer, and 
insist that we get Mike Pereira on this show this side of Christmas because I just <laughs> want I just want to see if you would you would throw that at him. Uh, Josh Edwards, uh, hey Josh, got in touch with us as well at the NC Show, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Insta. Uh, still not on TikTok, Mike. I'm hoping you could maybe lead the TikTok. The t- right. <laughs> That'll be the day. I would. Hey, I, I would watch it far more than plenty of other uh, TikTokers. Do you believe, asked Josh, in the theory that refs throw makeup flags when yes. they know that they made an error earlier in the game? Yeah, I mean, not always, but yes, you can almost see. Um, there were, well, there was one that I noticed watching Red Zone, um, which was a well, clear. Josh, a clear uh, Josh, uh, Joshua references the Dallas game, and then we'll move on to the, to the Dallas Chargers game now. He says Dallas looked to be stiff last week and lucky this week. Did you feel that ducky? Because uh, twelve penalties for ninety-nine yards for for the Chargers, as you mentioned earlier on. So they were racking them up, but not altogether accurately or, or, or perhaps fairly. But do you think maybe that was something to do with it, the, the makeup component? Um, it might have been that game where, where the one that I thought was a makeup um, went on. That, in, in fairness, you know, I thought that, that Herbert should have give, been called for safety as well mm. um, on the sack at the one yard line, or at least for intentional grounding, yeah. um, you know, or both. <laughs> I don't know if you can do both. <laughs> um, yeah. It was kind of like the debate that was going on over the taunting penalty uh, after the um, illegal shift penalty, uh, because Dallas had to decline the taunting penalty because to accept it would have been to accept that the play had happened. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen because it was an illegal shift. <laughs> and, you know, and this is the kind. This is the kind of LSD world that we're yeah, operating. Right. And, and 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 let's also get this one out of the way right away. Mm. Here we go. Stop emphasizing anti taunting. I mean, it's it's is ridiculous. Mm. Um, I. I said, I did tweet during the game that why didn't John Gruden get a taunting penalty when he was screaming at the officials when they made a bad call, a call against the Raiders? You know, that's that. Should or, have been taunt, or when he did taunting. that really awkward uh, chest bump with car. <laughs> I think he should have got some kind of flag for that. Some kind of five yard. Un- unnecessary embarrassment. <laughs> like <laughs> your uncle dancing, dancing at a wedding. Uh, yeah. Well, hey, props to Legatron. Also, Leg- when are they going to stop calling false start offense? The defense can't fall can't start. start. Right, exactly. You know, yeah, there's yeah, there's yeah. a lot of them like that, you know. <laughs> that is one of my favorites. Um the I wonder whether when they start to call it, you know how I hadn't even noticed this, but uh one of my kids pointed out that I hadn't realized that sat navs when you got directions rolling, sat navs will often say please. I hadn't realized how polite <laughs> that sat navs were either. for years it just got over my head. Unsurprisingly, probably for you, Mike. I think I think um I think uh Jameis Winston like, you know, where they have on their wrists where the plays are all, yeah, they could yeah. put sat nav on there <laughs> and then that would identify the open receiver. <laughs> that, that, a low blow, but maybe, maybe fair. Well, we'll get us to that performance in a minute, but yeah, uh, we're jumping around here. We right? are too. Hey, I don't mind. But the, the, the uh, Chargers Cowboys game, Legatron back in business, because of course he was the kicker that uh, a, a whole ton of Cowboys fans wanted cut after last week's game, <laughs> right? And the fact he had a, a hit and miss affair last time out, including he missed a chip shot in that one, but he sealed the deal this time, a 56 yarder. Uh, and as we know, they are not certain by no means chip shots, not routine at all, a 56 yarder, which gave uh, Dak Prescott his 11th fourth quarter win of his career. But do you think, Mike, that the officials and indeed the charges desperation to throw this one away is what we should be keying in on here. Or, um, 
I mean, I want to say that the Chargers were kind of hamstrung. Um, Herbert made, I mean, he made so many great plays and their defense played really well. Mm. I mean, you know, everyone went crazy last week when Dak, Dak threw for so many yards. Yeah. But yeah, he, he, they, over the over the past few years, he's tended to run up lots of yards because the Cowboys' defense was so bad, mm. and they were playing from behind and they had to throw the ball a lot. Um, I think the difference here was they were running the ball really well mm. against the Chargers, but the Chargers' pass D played, I thought, a, bro- a brilliant game against you know what is a good set of receivers. Yeah, um, on the on the Cowboys' running game, uh, the Zeke watch because that's inevitable now, because since he's been paid and he had a pretty abject season last year, of course, despite the fact he had no Dak, didn't really have an offensive line, was in a rubbish team. Uh, but everyone says Zeke is done. Uh, well, lots of people are saying that. So he had a, a good game, 71 yards on 16 uh, and a touchdown, of course. But uh, Tony Pollard, again, stole his thunder. He had a more effective game, 109 on 13 carries. So they, I mean, collectively, they had 180-odd yards between them. So the ground game is, is rolling. But where are you on the Zeke Pollard dynamic? And I, I liked, I mean, I like what they're doing. I think that that kind of works. Um, I, because I think Zeke is probably a better receiver. Um, mm. But I don't know if you would want to change that to turning him into a third down back. I think Pollard gives them that change of pace. Uh, what you, you can't afford to do is to make it too obvious that, you know, if Pollard's in, he's going to run the ball or whatever. So they, they did, they did throw to him a bit, mm. but he, he's, he's quicker. He's basically a one, you know, a quick to the hole and get through it kind of one cut more a one cut kind of runner than Zeke is who's more right. of a, a sort of pick pick for the hole. So um, if one or the other isn't working, then the, you know, you've got a shot at both. I'm, I, I can, I can always live with, with shared roles, um, you know, and, and um, can I'm, Zeke live with shared roles, I guess. Well, that's always the question, you know, cause they, when you're sharing a role, it makes you less likely to get the big money, but of course Zeke's already got the money in the bank. So. Fair, fair. But I think it's, <laughs> It may be more to that. Cynical is, 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 uh, yeah. it might have in been that, in that game. There was also a face mask penalty on a field goal block. Um, it's <laughs> like when you're black. <laughs> there were some weird things this, this weekend. I, I was having trouble keeping track of all of them. We all, I mean, that's the thing. Red Zone is, is a freight train, of course, and we are doing this Monday morning. So, uh, there is a lot, a lot to cover. Just on the Cowboys, D, I wanted to get your opinion on them, Mike, because no Demarcus Lawrence, no Randy Gregory. The big move, of course, was uh, Micah Parsons, their rookie, uh, moving to end. Uh, he hadn't played that since high school, apparently. Um, was told midweek that was what was going to happen, and he and he stepped up. I mean, he seems to be. He's a good football player. Really I mean, he are. he rushed. You know, they they used him at Penn State on the edges, you know, as well as, oh, a, they line, did. Okay. All as right. a linebacker, he wasn't playing defensive end, but so, you know, there, there were, there were times when he pass rushed and he showed okay. he could, could pass rush. So that, I mean, it wasn't, you know, a huge thing for him and you don't want him trying to set the edge um, against an offensive tackle, you know, sure. for, for much of the game, but yeah. he's a, he's a tremendous football player. Yeah. Um, and I, I wondered about the drafting of him, but uh, because they were, linebacker was not necessarily a position of need for mm. them, but what he's enabled them to do has been great. And, and, you know, everybody makes the thing about Gregory and Lawrence being out, but when Gregory and Lawrence are in, does every, 
who worries about them really? You know, are they are they the kind of pass pass rushers the teams really have to game plan around, or are they just guys who do get sacks? You know, and, and are threats, but are are relatively limited all around. If I if Randy Gregory's in the game, I run at him. Um, you <laughs> so know, you, I'm, I'm serious. Saying, no, you no, know? I know you are. I know you are. I mean, I'm, I'm laughing because I I like the fight, but I mean, are you saying they're overrated then? Oh, somewhat, yeah, because they get because they're cowboys. Maybe. And Jerry's paid them big money because Mm -hmm. they've racked up some sacks and all. But I don't, you know, has either ever been to a Pro Bowl? Um, Lawrence has, I think. Lawrence must have done. I think he has. He's been all pro, hasn't he? I I don't don't think that. Not not in my experience. um, Oh, it's close, but no cigar, Carlson. He was second team all pro, uh, but he has been to two Pro Bowls. Two Pro Bowls. Okay. So, you know, I, I would put him at like second level. Yeah. Um, and Randy Gregory is a step below that in terms of, you know, the elite mm-hmm. pass rushers of, of the league or de- defensive ends. But, you know, one trick, he would be uh, ideally he's a, he's a passing downs guy, basically. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, that's useful. But uh, still, I don't think their being out is as huge as people make out for mm. it to be, except, you know, except in the sense that Dallas seems to want to depend on them. You know, that's what. It's kind of the idea is kind of built around. Yeah. Fair. All right. Let's talk. Uh, well, more late kicking drama in the, the Vikings Cardinals game. Oh, geez. Yeah. And Greg Joseph, who missed an extra point earlier on. It's a bad uh, day at the office for him. Mr. 37 yada. Love what his, his coach Mike Zimmer said after the game in the presses had his back, Mike. Um, about the kick should have been an easy one. <laughs> yeah. Zimmer, Zimmer. Zimmer to, now remember, remember a couple of years ago, Zimmer cut Daniel Carlson in his, yeah. after his second game in the NFL, because he missed a couple of bad kicks and the Raiders you took it personally, up. didn't you? you and Daniel, well, Daniel's the second best Carlson in football. If Greg Joseph had a bad day missing that, um, Paul Allen, uh play-by-play announcer this is doing the rounds now you might have seen it on social uh he called the kick good he, he called the kick good did he uh yeah and uh we've all had days like this so i'm not having a pop in but what why the reason i mentioned i loved what happened next the guy alongside him in the booth there was a pause and the guy said it's it's no good and then alan said are you kidding me? <laughs> Apparently, which reminded me, of course, I and Mike, of the legendary. <laughs> oh, it came from the court. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing I thought of was you. That's cruel. That, 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 that's taking that's that's a very tenuous connection. Right, there. That's the first, <laughs> thing, <laughs> the first thing I thought because there was the beat, it was a couple of seconds. Uh, it's no good. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, it came from the court. Oh. You know, the best thing in that Minnesota game was for me was Nick Vigil's revenge. Because you remember when that fumble at the goal line. Um, and Nick Vigil recovered the fumble, but he didn't get both feet down. Right. And, and I went, I went, when did this become like a forward pass <laughs> to me? I mean, and I understand that the rules there because the ball was in the air or whatever, but to me, if you recover a fumble and you're not out of bounds, you're in bounds. Mm. You don't have to have both feet. Both you feet. shouldn't have to have both feet in to recover a fumble. Well, both, um, feet, both feet qualifies what is in bounds, though, doesn't it? Yeah. But I mean, if the ball, if, if it were a fumble on the ground, the rule is completely different. Mm. 
you know, it would go to the last guy who had possession or touched it even, you know, right. um, on the side. So making him come down with both feet just because the fumble was still in the air <laughs> seemed to me excessively <laughs> cruel. But then yeah. he got his um, interception uh, and touchdown uh, later later on. So I looked at that as Nick Vigil's revenge. I like, like that. I like Nick Vigil and his brother. You know, I think they're both. They both um, do a lot with a little, as they say. And nope. don't forget, in that game, Matt Prater kicked a 62-yard field goal, Prater, um, yeah. which had legs, too. Through. I mean, he's the record holder, but, you know, um, that one was would have been good from 65. Okay. Kyla uh, was brilliant, of course. <laughs> and Rondale. And Rondale Moore. I mean, what, Rondale I mean, Moore. Was- when Kyler and Rondale Moore are in it, it's like it's like somebody went to a JV high school game and pulled these two guys off. I love it. I love I love watching him. This spin move was it was like Wiley Coyote grasping for air when he yeah. spun around. Where's he gone? And I, I mean, look, we love a uh, we love a ridiculously early uh, MVP. Uh, debate. <laughs> let's let's drop it in week two. If people are though, Mike. Well, I think that's an interesting. De- it's an interesting debate because Kyler Murray. The, the whole offense is obviously Kyler Murray's. Yeah. Um, more so than Lamar Jackson, even in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they they depend on it. I I mean I I think there should be an award for the guy whose feet move twice as fast as anybody else's. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> It's like the rest of the field is moving in slow motion and Kyler Murray's speeded up, is speeded up and, and he's taking two steps for every one. And, <laughs> and the, these two little guys with big helmets, are running. it's like a video game. Um, exactly but like yeah, and, and this was great because I mean, Arizona, you know what I was saying about college football right at the start mm-hmm. of the show? Minnesota, Arizona was like watching Texas Tech against Oklahoma State. You know, it's big. It's big eight football or big 12 now uh, football. You know, and defense. <laughs> we don't need no stinking defense. <laughs> right. well, this is a theme right now. The defense is, as I reference the top, is uh, some interesting, uh, interesting interpretations of, of defense. Uh, Minnesota, just uh, two out of 10 on third down. Not good enough. You were pretty down on them last week. I mean, they gave it a good a good fight, a good stab against the cards, but they're now 0-2. They've got Seattle and Cleveland up next. Are we getting close to their season maybe being done? I mean, that is a... Yeah, I gave them a little bit too much credit this week. Um, and But in fairness, you know, they could, they should have won that game. Um, they were in position right. to win the game. Uh, yeah, I thought Mike Zimmer had built the defense back up, but defenses are vulnerable you know in 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 the current nfl uh and i i think they yeah at 0 and 4 they're going to have a, a severe problem mm-hmm. uh, you know i thought they did enough offensively uh certainly to uh to win and you know Thielen and jefferson but they need a rondale <laughs> they, they need that third third receiver and and if cook is out or, or for how long Cook is out. And I don't know what the results of the MRI were, um, but if he's out, they've got a serious, I mean, Madison's a good back. He's one of the best backups, I think in the league, mm-hmm. but they, they really he's you know, depend good. on him. For sure. Just on the, the, the battle in the NFC West and what we've seen from the cards so far. And I guess looking at what we saw last season and, and of course a brilliant first half of the season for them and for, and for Kyler Murray in particular. And, uh, and then it all, uh, went south, and of course, Murray's injury was was a significant part of that. It, it, are you seeing significant development and progression that will give the cards faithful out there 
cause for optimism they can get out of this tough division or is it too early to tell or is it as you mentioned earlier on mike he's freestyling and freewheeling and that's great in bursts but can't really be sustained throughout the course of a whole season yeah i think that's probably the the outstanding question somebody was saying that you know cliff Cliff Kingsbury is still running a limited passing tree as they, you know, to use insider kind of language um, in, in that there are fewer options for the receivers than, than in most NFL passing offenses because they depend on Murray to, to sort of keep the play alive to the point. Mm-hmm. I think more, the more, the more time more sees out there, the, the more, the more different rate. Um, I'm with you roots you'll see in other words they'll be able to to be more diverse uh because what you would love to see again is for them to be able to occasionally move the ball down the field without having murray having to scramble for yards or mm. or deliberately run for yards but but you know that's a good, that's going to be a tight division and you know if you you know there will be like seattle will be kicking themselves um, about the Tennessee game, if they, if they come into sort of week 12, you know, one game behind Arizona or right. something like That's that. That's a great point. Uh, the Bucks keep on rolling. Gronk keeps on rolling. He had eight catches, 90 yards, two touchdowns, five <laughs> on the day for Brady as well. So we are in. 102 <laughs> for him and Brady. Right. Wow. Yeah. The, the first Gronk touchdown was a perfect example of what Tom Brady can do, including he stood in the pocket and took a hit. Um, to make it happen, mm-hmm. but he saw where what where the rush was coming, and he saw what the defense was doing, what what defense they were in, which was basically a, a Tampa two, and he knew that Gronk was going to be open. He's going to have he was going to have man coverage from from the safety on one side. Um, it was how it would boil down. So he kept looking straight down the middle. The rush was coming at the last instant. He just turned and, fire, and mm. fired it to Gronk, mm. knowing he would be able to make the catch and, and win for the touchdown. And, and he knew all that. The plan was all before, alone, all alone, before right? the ball was snapped. He knew right. all, that all that was going to happen, basically. Mm. Um, and this is the difference between him and why he can play at 44, mm. you know, and a lot of other quarterbacks who like when I was talking about Lamar, you know, right. who have to kind of see it happen before uh, they get it. And and he's not the only guy who does this. But I mean, it was a great illustration of it. Um, yeah. And I was a bit, you know, t- Tampa sort of took their foot off the pedal and Matt Ryan was playing mm you know, hard, you know, really hard and trying to make things happen. But then Mike Edwards in the fourth quarter, who there were a number of really good defensive backs who came out of the Kentucky two years ago. um, And Edwards was one of them. So, you know, it was kind of nice to see him make a couple of plays. Although one of those interceptions was like, it was like, Olympic volleyball, but you know, give him credit. Hey, they'll count. They'll count. They'll, he'll get the bonus for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was key because also they were pretty banged up uh, in terms of their defensive backs. Sean Murphy Bunty, of course, Carlton Davis, hammy issues. Carlton Davis had a bad game. I mean, well, Carlton, hamstring issue, right? That's what yeah, they're saying. Uh, but he also needs to control himself. Mm. I mean, you know, he's not Jamal Adams. He's a, he's a cornerback. He, you know, he had a couple of bad penalties that mm. didn't, didn't need to be taken. Um, but then everybody does <laughs> now, nowadays. Well, I want to follow the theme through a little bit, which I think is reasonable to apply to the Bucks as well, because as you say, they they the Falcons got back into this. And I don't I know we thought and we're seeing that this Falcons offense can be dangerous. They've got you know too many weapons with Ridley and uh, and uh uh Pitts and obviously Matt Ryan still got something left in the tank, not to 
not to roll through the season without causing some damage, but the way they got back into this game and, uh, and the yardage and ultimately the points they stacked up, is this again a slightly uh, lopsided Bucks team we're seeing? Because when we're looking at the contenders going into the season, they appeared the most balanced, all 22 starters returning, yada, yada, yada. And of course, they've got uh, a real identity defensively that maybe other teams don't have to the same degree. But based on what you saw there, should should we worry too that they're a little bit top heavy offensively? The defense isn't stepping up as yet. No, I don't think so. I think the you know Atlanta took advantage of a couple of breaks that helped them offensively. Uh, there was that call against Shaq Barrett for being offside when he wasn't. Um, you know that I, I think they're, they're, they're going to be solid again defensively. Teams will be attacking the secondary because that's if you if they have a weak link, that's probably yeah. what it is. Um, but the strength up front. Then, you know, it allows them pretty much to play nickel the whole game uh, because they've got a solid four man front and and um, they've got two excellent linebackers who can play the whole game if they have to, you know, um, inside, inside and out. And they, they drafted a Bolton who can do the same thing as a backup. And, and Todd Bowles is just so creative. Um, you know, I, I, I keep going back. I did it all through the Super Bowl when he was with Aaron's at Arizona and Arizona would finish like eight and eight in, in the West, but you know, they'd be doing it with, nobody at quarterback mm. and their defense would be keeping them in games. They, they were always beating Seattle, you know, they, or I mean, it's four years run, but, but they did really well in Seattle and that was mm. bowls, you know, mixing up those defenses. Yeah, you yeah. got Sue playing and, you know, you got a linebacker inside. I, I, I love watching that stuff. Mm. You know, I, I loved watching that game. Um, worst mm. call this week. Mm, that's it. Get, get one in quickly. Mm-hmm. The Philly special. Nick Sirianni, they they get they get the um, Hertz hits Watkins like ninety one yard gain. They got first goal. Yeah, <laughs> well, they went three times into the into into the line, and then the Philly special. Which, uh, sorry, um, um, then the Philly special gets stuffed. Uh, yeah, you looked at me thought, oh, God, that one's that's seven points in the bank, and then come back to it a couple minutes later, like what the hell just happened there? Did you see going back to the Dallas game? Uh, Mike McCarthy blaming the clock in, uh, in, in the stadium for why uh, he took 20 seconds before he could call the timeout. He said the clock in the, in the brand new $5 billion stadium or whatever it is wasn't, wasn't working. That is amongst the most spurious excuses I've had. Um, yeah, maybe quick Jerry Jones will buy him a new watch. <laughs> Monday morning on his desk, that will be sitting there. Uh, just a quick one, Mike, before we get out uh, of Dodge on, on quarterbacks, uh, other quarterbacks that we haven't referenced yet, or at least not, not much detail so zach wilson of course had a had a nightmare uh isn't it funny sam darnold played well and zach wilson played like sam darnold when he was with the jets we were seeing <laughs> isn't, isn't it funny well uh, ollie uh ollie our producer called it bang on the money with uh, on our edge rush show of course and uh all of our partials in the vault go and check out wherever you listen to this and you can find him uh the the obvious limitations and problems that young quarterbacks have against Bill Belichick, right? So should yeah. we firmly keep that front and center in our minds when we're, before we write off Zach Wilson after two games of football? No, I, I you can't write him off. I People think people are though I, already. They are. Yeah, I, I think they've got, I mean, it's, it's, it's another case of guys being what they are, you know, what, what, people said about them coming out of coming out of college. Um, he's got a learning curve to do. He, of the, of the five guys, coming out he would probably have been 
in my mind, the least likely to step right into a starting job. You know, the one who would benefit the most from a, a year on the on the bench. Why? Um, although Fields is kind of because he was um, he had that good year at Brigham Young, but there were mm-hmm. there were kind of holes in his game, and the opposition's not as good as some as some teams um, would 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 be um fields i think you could make a sort of similar argument right and And what we saw from fields was was like mitch trubisky yeah and mitch was playing mitch took some knees with no trouble at all for buffalo (laughs) Um, it was it was impressive uh but andy dalton did you see his injury Mm. it was like he was skipping on the sideline and then just Fell down, yeah, yeah, and and so I don't know what's what's wrong with him. Um, Baker Mayfield was hurt, um, but he kept playing. He Mm. was hurt making a tackle, Um, Mm. and so I figured if he can't throw the ball, they can play him at safety, and that that will be fine. (laughs) Probably enjoy that. Um, To his ribs, of course. That's a big Carlson Wentz, who's looking more and more like Prince Harry, um, (laughs) um, rolled his ankle. So I, I don't. If it's you know it's a sprain of some sort probably so I don't know what what the the book will be on him. Tua won't play. Um, a couple on, of weeks. Um, yeah, bruised ribs, ribs. Well, ribs can. I mean, uh, yeah, it can. It depends on how bad. Yeah, Tyrod right. Taylor obviously won't play on Thursday, but apparently that was just a hamstring. But I mean, he had the play of the game the weekend. The best play I saw You'll where he pump he pump faked. He did like a you know rolled his arm around with the ball and then took off on the, on the yes, other side yeah, running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they were playing really well while he yeah. was a quarterback. And then Davis Mills came in and obviously not so much. No, not so much. Yeah. I mean, but there's a rookie who you weren't expecting to play. Um, and boy, did he look like a Davis Mills. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Particularly the blind side hit on him as well. The Grant Delpit sack on him. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Delpit's back. And um, oh. uh, that was, that was, and it was, you know, surprisingly, as the as the announcers grabbed right away and then they showed the replay, it was a legal, you know, perfectly legal. Good hit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it led with his shoulder. He went shoulder to shoulder. Just because the noise was was incredible. And and if we're looking like a rookie quarterbacks in the Zach V. Mack kind of um, the Zach V. Mack, I like that. Mac Jones's two best plays of the game were the block he threw. Mm. On, on a reverse <laughs> that they set up and he was like <laughs> and when Damian Harris had like the run of the weekend mm-hmm. uh, where he broke how many tag jet tacklers mm-hmm. was it you know half a dozen and then they he's like at the two yard line and, and they start forming the the, the uh, mall to get him over yeah. and the last guy who pushes him over is Matt that Jones in, yeah. the quarterback comes <laughs> piling in to do it I said now that's the kind of quarterback I want to have yeah. on my team you know that's right. um, that's makes right. it so it was a good week I, I think Jameis you know Jameis turned into Jameis again yeah um, and uh, I, th- I think we we should also give a, a couple of props, um, probably to the Chicago defense for you know bringing Sam, uh, bringing um, uh, Joe Burrow back back to gra- back to the, the ground. Sort of, mm. um, they they played well enough to win even with with Justin Fields there, you know, and, and uh, if T Higgins holds on to the ball better, maybe they, yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe Cincinnati had, does better. Uh, but. Jamar Chase is stepping up as well again, and he's looking like yeah. a real deal too. Yeah, he had a big, had the big play Buffalo. Oh, I've, 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 I've picked them twice, two weeks in a row going under and they, 
both times, won and and paid off. So that, that's been good. And I do hope you had the over on 55 and a half in Kansas City, Baltimore. <laughs> I, I took it up to 97, Mike, frankly, uh, before that game. Uh, and it didn't look like the craziest move. Uh, brilliant stuff. Uh, your next column, patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson, FMTE. That'll be dropping this On week. Friday. Um, right. If you like my referee ranting, go back and read the last one. Because <laughs> I, discuss, I discuss the rolling mall in the NFL saying they think it's mall over. No, that's a beautiful and a beautiful way to wrap the show, Mike. I don't think we can top that, quite frankly. Uh, so go check that out. Mike Carson, FMT at Carson Sports. Follow the big man on Twitter. Well, I should say maybe we're already on social media. Definitely on Twitter. We are going to try and get you on TikTok. We are going to work, <laughs> work on that. I want to see that by Christmas. Yeah, me and Nicki Minaj. You and Nicki Minaj. There's our, that is our show. You oh, that's another part of it. Yep. Me, yep. Nicki Minaj and Aaron Rodgers. A, a menage a trois. <laughs> Where did Aaron Rodgers come from? But anyway, because Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers blamed one of his interceptions on his testicles being being whacked during the game, which is like Nicki Minaj's Nicki friend Minaj in Brazil. Yeah. So Rodgers didn't have to be vaccinated to get the same result. <laughs> I didn't think we could top it after your brilliant pun, but I mean, you just have. You just uh, there is no way we're doing, adding any more to the show. So big bound to cough to yourself. We'll see you next week. Okay, I'll be in the states, so front row seats. Lovely stuff from Iron Mike. Uh, he will be back next week, statesiders, uh, as suggested. So uh, looking forward to catching up with him as we will look back at what will be the week three action. How about that? But there is plenty more coming your way this week before we get to that. We'll be getting you set for next weekend. We're going to have a preview show. We're going to drop a college days as well. And of course, prop. Oh, Ollie, the producer, a.k.a. Oliver Thornton. We'll be back uh, for Edge Rush. And he's going to be, I suspect, listeners, pretty smug after uh, a solid performance from him, a Kyler Murray-esque performance from him. He definitely was freewheeling some of those picks, but they came in. So Edge Rush, which we dropped Saturday morning, the previous show earlier in the weekend, College Days 2. So a lot of content coming your way. A lot of shows coming your way. Uh, incidentally, if you haven't followed us on social, at the NCE Show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we roll out uh, lots of extra content on that. Videos from the show as well. So videos from the pod. Uh, so make sure you give us a bump there. And final thing, and then I promise I will shut my jibber-jabbing. If you head over to the podcast you listen to us on, we would massively appreciate it. If you got 30 seconds, a minute, just go over there and leave us a review. We are riding high in the iTunes charts. It was really nice to see. And all this ha- helps, apparently. That's what uh, the brains tell us. All of this helps our analytics and helps spread the word, spread the show, which we really appreciate. And it helps us. So if you like the show, uh, let us know. Uh, and if you don't, well, if you if you want to leave a review, be my guest. But preferably leave a good one. We will see you uh, for a better college days and week three preview later in the week. Bye for now. Fellow baseball nuts, join us on the Johnny and Josh show with my baseball brothers where JC will endeavor to offer some insightful analysis and my friend Eric Jansen will offer quirky baseball trivia. But we also have David Langell who will combine a high level of inappropriateness with a low level of analysis. The Johnny and Josh show available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network.